0: Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, for the first time, to Viewpoints, Jamie Maslin. I met Jamie down at the famous market in Hobart not that long ago and uh, Jamie's a writer, traveller, all-round good egg and snappy dresser. He's the author of Iranian rappers and Persian porn and socialist dreams and beauty queens. He lives in Tasmania, Australia and he's got a book, The Long Hitch Home, Tasmania to London on a thumb and a prayer. Welcome to Viewpoints, uh, Jamie Jamie Maslin.
1: Thank you very much, Henry, and thanks for having me on.
0: It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure meeting you down in Tassie there on a lovely, I think it was a winter's day not that long ago now. 18,000 miles, 800 rides, 19 countries, three continents, that, and then you came back and wrote a book about it. Uh, did you envisage it would be of that monumental uh, dimensions and numbers when you started? Um,
1: maybe not the numbers, but obviously I knew that it was one hell of a long way to get from... Hobart to London and I'd done a bit of long uh distance hitchhiking before although nothing on quite that scale but I knew it was going to be a challenge and um the I, th- I think the total number was 832 rides to get me back to the UK um but it was a big a big uh, trip and of course uh, as you say through three continents and with that came uh very varied weather conditions and environmental conditions. So uh, a, big, a big challenge it most certainly was.
0: Now, for the people who don't know, what uh, not many people do that sort of thing. Uh, it, we can get a vicarious throw out of reading your book, and I'm sure we do. But what possessed you to um, take on such a challenge? Because as the book uh, illustrates, it wasn't all honey and apple pie. There were dangerous moments in there.
1: Yeah, so I, I think the motivation for the trip was in part, with me, any excuse for a big trip. As you said, I, I'd uh, written a couple of books beforehand, for both travel books, the first of mm. which was about hitchhiking from London to and around Iran. So I'd done a bit of long-distance hitching before, and I found it to be a fantastic way of seeing the world from the ground up, where you spend a lot of time with locals, you get taken on little impromptu, uh, you know, tourist trips and welcomed into people's homes. Um, and I just found it a really interesting and exciting way to travel. And my then-girlfriend at the time of this trip, she's now my wife, is from Tasmania. Yep. So we have met in London, and we uh, flew to Tasmania so I could meet her parents. And it's when we're both due to fly back. And I had a ticket that, um, I set off on this trip. There'd been a little bit of planning before, but I wasn't sure if it was absolutely going to come off. And (laughs) luckily, luckily it did. And I set off, um, hitching, as you say, it's not as prevalent as it once was. I mean, in the sixties and seventies, it was a much more popular way to travel. Um, so in that sense, you're not uh, competing with as many people. Um, but I managed to do it. And, you know, sometimes it's easier, uh, um, well, some days are easier than others on the road where you seem to get rides pretty quickly and others, you've got to have the tenacity to wait wait it out until the lift materialises.
0: Now, I was intrigued to read, um, because there's many, many facets of Jamie Maslin and we're not going to be covering them all in this interview, but in, uh, uh, you describe, perhaps self-described, rogue adventurer, Rogue adventurer, what 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 does that conjure up, uh, Jamie?
1: I guess I do things unconventionally. I mean, I've never been one for doing things by the book on organised trips where you're, you know, sort of, uh, where, where everything is organised for you. So I'm much more into spontaneous travel, um, taking every day at a time and just seeing where you end up. And that's part of the attraction for me of hitching itself you never really know what's going to happen and all manner of adventures can come your way. And for me, that's a really attractive thing. Um, So I guess that's what I'm, I'm, I'm uh, getting out with, with that little description on the back of the book.
0: Mm. Now, now it's a travel book, but it's not a travel book in, in some ways, or it's a different sort of uh, travel book. I was looking at a couple of the uh, people uh, that have uh, written something for you there. Oliver Stone is one, and mm-hmm. Noam, Noam Chomsky is the other. Uh, Oliver Stone, um, he says it's a vivid and compelling read. that gives voice to those we never hear, um, and it's not just a travel book as such, it, uh it has social comment in countries such as Laos and Indonesia that you visited, are places that uh, we, we don't always hear what life is like. Um, did you set out to do it that way?
1: Um, I guess I did, yeah. So because it, it's my third travel book, my th- the two books that came before it, uh, the first one on Iran, second one on Venezuela, I sort of dip my toes into political, social, historical commentary in those, and you know the same again with this. I think I think it's quite important to do that to mm. to, to really understand the history uh, of the places you're you're visiting. Um, and so, as you say, uh, the sections on Laos and Indonesia, in particular, in this book, but others as well. I I, I delve into those areas for recent his, history of uh, Laos, for instance, as you know, the bombing mm. of Laos uh, as a sideshow to the Vietnam War, which a lot of people just don't know about. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, talk a bit about uh, that and um, other aspects. It's a thoroughly researched book and referenced and uh, lot, lots of citations in the back. And very kindly, um, Oliver Stone uh, gave me a... Uh, A little blurb for that. that
0: (laughs) Oh, I think they then and and Noam Chomsky. Very well done. It rouses many magical memories. Um, So, uh, what about you now? Because this all took place a a little while ago. Now, Um, does it?
1: Yeah.
0: Does it still float in and out of your mind, your consciousness, the trip? It does,
1: although a lot has happened since this trip occurred. So the book came out in 2015, and the trip uh, was 2011. Mm. Uh, But, I mean, since, since then I've become a parent. I have two beautiful daughters, and... As I'm sure you know yourself, uh, mm. your life goes off in a completely different direction when you have kids. Um, so, you know, there are adventures still. I mean, I, I, I surf and I'm at, at the moment I'm learning to paraglide. Mm. Um, so there are adventures still, but the nature of them has, has changed quite a lot, I have to say.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. As a, as a parent and a grandparent myself, um, the impact of, uh, and my parents came from Europe after World War II, um, the adventures and the things that happened to us in our own lives um, do impact, I think, on how we approach parenting or the advice or the conversations we have with people. Has this trip impacted in any way in the way that you th- relate to your children? I try and
1: nurture an adventurous spirit in them not that they need much help I have <laughs> to say they're pretty adventurous as it is um so I surf with uh, my daughters uh, they they both skateboard um they're pretty adventurous girls and you know I do I do try and encourage that as uh, well so uh in that sense yeah I guess I guess it has. I mean, we don't really. Tell, I, you know, I have told them a bit about the, you know my trips. Um, kids are not always that interested in the things their parents have done. Perhaps when they're, they're older, they uh, might be more interested in the book. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I do try and uh, yeah. encourage that spirit in, in them as well.
0: Now, I'm always interested in all the little things around books, uh, the dedications, and in your book it was to Emily. Um, Also the quote, the little poem. I love poetry. The littlest hobo. Mm -hmm. I'll just read it out. There's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road. That's where I'll always be. Every stop I make, I make a new friend. Can't stay for long. Just turn around and I'm gone again. Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down. Until tomorrow... I'll just keep moving on. A, a good summation of um, a part of Jamie Maslin, that's significant? I,
1: I think so. And I think it really applies to hitchhiking as well, mm. that philosophy. It, it actually comes from a, a Canadian children's television show that I used to watch growing up called The Little's Little Hobo. So that that uh, quote is part of the theme song, so it was quite nice to hear it uh, read back to me as if a poem. Uh, of course, I can sort of hear the theme song uh, mm. <laughs> in my mind as you you uh, read that. But what what that was about. Um, was a dog that would move on from place to place each e- episode, and as uh, you know, well, as mm-hmm. the lyrics say, make a new friend at each stop, and then he's off again. And I think, I think, the book and uh, my travels reflect that, and hitching especially. You know, you make friends on the road; they sort of come in your, into your life, and then you know, the next day you're back off on the road, and they're gone again. But. Um, It is a great way to travel, and you do meet such wonderful people. And I think that's what really appeals about it more than anything else to me.
0: Mm, Yeah, look, reading your book, it reminded me of when I grew up... um we used to hitchhike. I didn't hitchhike to that level, but uh, you know, from uh, one end of uh, Gippsland across to the other side of Melbourne, and often to Melbourne, Geelong, etc. You do, you do mm. meet a lot of people, and uh, occasionally people that you're a little wary of. And some people drive better than others, but generally, uh, a wonderful experience. But but it's, for the young of today, it's pretty much a lost thing, certainly around suburbia or the country roads. Uh, times have changed in that regard in terms of attitudes to hitchhiking.
1: It's it's true. You don't see it as much. No. Um you do see it a bit in Tassie. I see. I see a few hitchhikers from time to time, and I always uh, pick, pick them up. You'd be. You'd, um, you'd
0: almost have to, Jamie,
1: wouldn't you? Well, I, I kind of feel you know the amount of rides that I've had. Yep. It would be pretty remiss of me if I didn't. Um, and and you know, I think I think more people should do it. Um, one of the advantages of there not being many hitches now is for mm. you know you're not competing against as many pe- people as you once were um but it is a great a great way to travel and um yeah as i say in tassie you see it a little bit more frequently than in other places mm. um give it a crack perhaps
0: Mm. Now, just a couple of bits. We never do book reviews as such. We we refer to the book, and uh, as Oliver Stone says, "travel writing as it should be." So we'll pick out a couple. Now I know I'm testing your memory here, but I'll make it as easy as I I can for mm-hmm. you, Jamie. The chapter on meat cleaver madness. Uh, this 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 happened uh, in Malaysia. You 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 cross swords with a taxi driver. You weren't hitchhiking uh, uh, as such, I don't think. But I, I as I read that, I'm thinking. Why is Jamie so confrontational to the taxi driver? You might recall that. uh,
1: Well, okay, so it wasn't a taxi driver. This was a guy. So I'd just been dropped on the side of the road on the outskirts of, I think it was KL, if I remember. Sorry, sorry, not KL. It was JB. They like to have little uh, abbreviations. Uh, So outside of the city, JB. And, yeah, this guy rocked up. He definitely wasn't a cabbie, uh, but he produced a uh, Mm. meat cleaver from his uh, (laughs) glove box of the car and brandished that at me. I think, honestly, he was just a little bit disturbed. And, Mm. you know, Malaysia itself is a very uh, safe country. So, in a sense, it it shows that... um, you can be anywhere and, and just meet the wrong person at the wrong wrong time. Whereas on paper, at the time, Kyrgyzstan had recently had a revolution before I went, went there. So on pa- paper, that would have been probably the most dangerous place that I went to on this particular trip. Didn't have any issues there at all. Whereas Malaysia, I wouldn't have thought there'd be any issues. And uh, as you say, this... Uh, Mm. gentleman uh, took uh, exception to me standing on the side of a road, asking him for a ride.
0: <laughs> and the other one, uh, uh, I like the title. I, that's why I picked this one to have a chat about. You're in the city of Kashgar in southern China. Honey Trap. Mm. Remember the Honey Trap? <laughs> I do, yes.
1: So, no, I think you've got the location slightly wrong. Here. So that's Bishkek. So the chapter trap, if I remember correctly, is Bishkek, which is the capital of Kyrgyzstan, which is next door to yep. uh, northwest China. China, so Kashgar being Sh- Xinjiang. So that's in Bishkek, and um, I was with, with my German friend Danilo, who I had met on the road, and we became certain friends. I, I, I'd met Danilo in a place called Rumchi. and although we didn't travel uh, to Bishkek together, we sort of arranged to meet uh when we got there and he had had some issues in in kyrgyzstan as i say i didn't have any issues uh but he had a fascinating tale so he'd been uh in a place called osh which uh, at the time the british foreign office were recommending against all but essential travel to and he'd been staying in some some sort of boarding house there late, late at night had woken up Uh, to find his traveling companion sobbing next to him, this Mm. Japanese man who he met. And he said, what's wrong? Are you okay? And the guy says, oh, they come in here, these men, they point guns at you, they said you're terrorists, and they're going to kill you. And he said, what? What are you talking about? No, it's just a dream. You've had a bad dream. Go mm. back to bed. So <laughs> my friends then went back to bed. And in the morning, he saw that the uh, door to to, to the uh, accommodation affairs was open. So we went out to investigate. And the person owning the bo- boarding house then said to him, I'm so sorry. I had to let the, the terrorism police in last night. They thought you were a terrorist. So It was absolutely legit. The Japanese guy had got it right, and it was uh, just a a, uh, miracle my friend didn't wake up or he might have been shot. So anyway, that's sort of a prelude to what happened to us because when we were in uh, Bishkek, as I said, Danilo and I
0: Hmm.
1: went out for a meal. Now, he, of course, was very paranoid at this time, and there'd been a revolution (laughs) in the country not uh, long beforehand, and... um, we had this very strange encou- encounter in this restaurant where these two young girls, they must have been in their early tr- early 20s, quite glamorous looking, approached us with by placing a napkin with some written writing on our table and passing it to us. And I can't re- remember the exact words, but it's written down in the book. But it basically said, we are pressmen, me- meaning journalists from Russia, yeah. investigating the... Uh, revolution in Kyrgyzstan and the possibilities of a counter revolution. Do you know anything about this? It is a a private conversation. Would you like to talk? Mm. So bearing in mind the experiences that my friend had in Osh with the terrorism squads, we were a little bit hesitant, but we went and had a chat with them and just bizarre questions uh, from them to us. And it really seemed like they were any, you know, some something other than journalists. But mm. They weren't really, um, uh, you know, uh, journalists from Moscow, but could have been something else. And and um, there you go. Just one of those strange encounters. I I recall the whole. Incidents in the book, um, but as I say, it, it's a while ago. I can't remember many more details than that. No,
0: and the book, and the book is full of so many things like that, and it's so educational. I always ask this question uh, of of authors, um, and now it's some time ago now um, that you wrote it. But your writing. What impact has this book, or and your other books? What's your What's the impact of the of your writing on Jamie Maslin?
1: Ah, good question. Um, The impact of it. I mean, Salamanca Market, where I sell this book at weekends, has been a bit of a life changer for me, I have to say, because it's one thing to have your book in a bookstore competing with everybody else on on, um, the shelves, where often all you have is just the spine of your book visible. And it's difficult to shift copies, whereas I've found selling face-to-face to people so much better. And I've shifted an awful lot of copies now as a result. And, um, you know, dare I say, that's all I need to do now. So, you know, I can do the market. I I can write. I sell stuff online as well. But it means that I can do this full time. And that's what I do now. And And, you know, I'm very... Thankful for it. Whereas when I wrote the first book and the second one, and in fact, when I wrote the third, you know, I I was odd jobbing here, there and everywhere, trying to cram in my writing, my free time, whereas now I have an awful lot of free time because of it, And I'm incredibly grateful for that.
0: Mm, no they're very good if people want to get access to your books how would they do that if they don't come down to well they've got one option come to beautiful Tasmania Hobart and the weekend market the Salamanca market and see you there in person as I did or else they could uh, access them I I presume online or in bookstores
1: absolutely look um, Amazon's definitely your best I mean uh, you can click on there and uh, get A copy of my books of course if you're in uh Hobart come down to Salamanca and get a you know get a copy there um but yeah Amazon's the easiest way to go.
0: Moving forward Jamie you've got a young family they're growing up now um travel writing rogue travel (laughs) I mean all those things obviously are still in your blood looking ahead um you're still a relatively young man by today's standards Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the future for Jamie Um, Maslin. Well,
1: do you know what I'd really like to do is take a year off and do a big trip around Australia with the kids. I, mm. I've uh, been, been talking to more and more p- people who've done this, and I've met quite quite a few um, at the market that we discussed a minute ago uh, who have done that with their, their kids. And, a, and they all say they, they themselves were surprised at how many families are doing it around Australia now, but mm. there's a really good travelling community going... From place to place and exploring this incredible country of ours. Uh, so that's what I'd like to do next. Um, I've got a little camper. I'm not sure if it's sufficient for four, four of us months, months or a year on 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 the road. But within the next year or so, that's something that I would really like to tackle. And I think the experiences that my girls would have as a result of that would just be magnificent and and, and things that they would cherish for you know years to come and the memories for me as well, I'm sure.
0: Mm, yes, and those sort of family memories, I know myself, I, I recall many great memories of things that I did with my, my parents and, of course, with my children. And the, the bonding there is wonderful. And I guess, Jamie, there'd be a bit of a chance that out of that might come another book That if when that <laughs> takes place. It could do, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I,
1: I'm a little bit reluctant, I have to say, big um yeah, I'm not sure if it, it it would quite have the um the extreme travel elements that the first three books have but yeah perhaps they could be a book in it yeah I, I mean um... I'm you know no,
0: i a bit g- non-committal on that one. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, there's a lot of I, I know. There's a lot of punch and political and social comment punch in those, and a bit of danger. Mm-hmm. But but there's always a book out there. People having kids and trying to work out how to make relationships with their family work better. We've all been through that, and it's. It's it, it's wonderful, but it can be stressful, and uh, there might mm. just be an opportunity to share uh, some of the things that, uh, that that went on on your trip. I'm I'm trying to talk you into it here, Jamie, and I know I won't have any chance. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that people might uh, might be able to either resonate with or learn from. Can I thank you so much yes, for, for your sure. time? It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And The Long Hitch Home, they can get that off Amazon. And uh, the others too, Iranian rappers, Persian porn, socialist dreams and beauty queens. Good titles in there. They're certainly interesting and riveting titles. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure meeting you in Tasmania, reading your book and chatting with you today.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Henry. It's been a lot of fun.
0: That was Jamie Maslin, author and adventurer and travel writer with a difference, listeners.